The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen. Church, let's take our Bible and turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, if you're visiting with us for the first time today, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. And um, so I often say here, if you'll just let that Bible fall open somewhere toward the middle and keep turning to the right, you'll find these four guys right there toward the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll be in uh, Matthew. The large numbers are the chapters, the small numbers are the verses. And so the very last chapter in Matthew 28, and today we want to study verse 18 to 20, I just want to take a moment to say uh, thank you guys so much for coming out uh, to worship on a day like this. I, I just, um, you know, just the fact that you wouldn't let the time change nor uh, a little light dusting on some leaves cause you to stay home and make an excuse, but that you'd actually come and worship Jesus together and learn from His Word. I just want to say how appreciative we are that you'd do that. And I pray that the Lord would richly bless you and bless your family for being here uh, today. A very familiar portion of Scripture to many believers. And in fact, uh, you can probably see there in your bulletin, we, uh, we kind of call this our, our marching orders as believers. And so we believe that the grand goal of our life is to bring glory to God by making disciples of all the nations. Kind of the way we represent that here at our church, our whatever you want to call it, our slogan or tagline is that we proclaim the gospel and reflect the kingdom. And that's just maybe a, a kind of a, a synopsis way of saying that we believe in taking the gospel to every human being in all the world that they might come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then when we say to reflect the kingdom, we simply mean that we are teaching people who have come to faith in Jesus Christ how to live their life as Jesus would live their life if He were them. And so we want to, uh, we want to teach people how to do that. So Matthew chapter number 28, verse 18 to 20. And because you have braved the elements and come out today, I promise uh, I'll send you home by at least 2.30. Alright? And <laughs> I think it'd just be me and my wife if I'm here by 2.30. Alright, let's read these verses. You read silently. Let me read out loud for us um, this morning. Verse number 18, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you join me for a word of prayer and then we'll see what the Lord has to say. Good Father, we do come to You now. We thank You for this time to worship and and pray and give and sing. And Lord, to open up Your wonderful Word that is the very words of the living God. Every word in Your Bible is true and right. And so I pray now for every heart today that You would teach us that You would train us, Lord, if there be one here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, we pray that You would convict them and convince them of their sinful ways and help them to lay down their weapons of warfare and to trust Jesus Christ alone. I pray for all of us here today, Lord, that are believers, 
that we would seek to follow the marching orders, the last command, so to speak, given to us by the Son of God to carry the Gospel to all of the nations. And we will love you and thank you for it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So from this text today, I simply want to draw your attention to maybe three major points. And uh, we'll try and wrap these in together. So here's the first point I want to make. And that is that Christ's authority and presence conquers our fears in accomplishing His charge to make disciples of all nations. Let me say that again. Christ's authority and His presence conquers our fears when it comes to accomplishing His charge to make disciples of all nations. Now, I don't know uh, where you are on this spectrum of sharing the Gospel with people, but uh, it may seem to you sometimes that, man, Pastor Steve, is he's bold behind the pulpit. And to be honest with you, I enjoy preaching. It's what God's gifted me and called me to do. And I love preaching the Word of God. I love going around the world and preaching the Gospel. But a little known fact, when it comes to actually one-on-one with a coworker or uh, you know a friend or somebody at the gym or a lost person's Somewhere. When it comes to sitting down and sharing the gospel, did you know that I have just as much fear in my heart as you have in your heart? It is a difficult thing to sit down with an unbeliever and to share the gospel. And you would, you maybe you might not think this, but there are times where I get choked up on my own words. And man, did that come out right? Did I just say heresy? Did I say the right thing there? And I see some of the smiles on your face, like yeah, I've I've tried to share the gospel before and felt like I had two left feet that I stumbled over myself in speech. I just want you to know that you're not alone. All of us that are believers in this room, we have fears in our life when it comes to the accomplishing of this great charge to make disciples of all the nations. But I want you to see today that you're not alone in your fear. And in fact, Christ and His authority and His presence conquers that fear within us. And so when we share the Gospel with unbelievers, we go with our head held high. We go with humble hearts, but we go with the power of heaven behind us. Amen? In fact, let me show you what I mean by that. It's bracketed in this passage. Verse 18 and verse number 20 teach us that the authority and the presence of Jesus surround and couch the very charge to make disciples of all the nations. Look at verse number 18. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority, that is the authority to rule within the realm of human life and within all of the universe, Jesus Christ has an authority that is given to Him by His heavenly Father above and He gives His authority to His church and His believers. And so when we go out in the name of Jesus Christ, we go out not under our own authority, not in our own power, not in our own skill set, not in our own eloquence, but we go out in the power and the authority and the ruling nation of Jesus Christ to make disciples of all the nations for Him. Look, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And can I say, that is just a way of saying and everything in between. 
There is nowhere in all of the universe in which Jesus Christ does not have ruling and reigning authority. And I want you to know today that when Jesus gives us that great commission, when He says, I want you to make disciples of all nations, when Jesus says, I want you to proclaim the Gospel, and when Raleigh and the world to Jesus, when He looks at us and says, there are twelve to 15,000 people within the 608 zip code that we live in right here, and we want to give the Gospel, we go in the authority of Jesus. Not under our own power, not in our own ability, but in the authority of Jesus. Not only do we accomplish this in the authority of Christ, we accomplish it with the presence of Jesus. Look down at the last part of verse number 20. And he says, And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Some of you might have said, even to the end of the world. It's speaking about this present age that we are in. I would say that Jesus will be present in a different way with us in the eternity to come, but He is here and now with us. You know, the great pastor G. Campbell Morgan one time had gone to a, 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 an elderly lady's house to disciple her and some of her friends. And these ladies had been saved for a long time. And G. Campbell Morgan was a young pastor and he was teaching through this text and he said, ladies, I want you to know that there is a promise that Jesus will be with us. And they said, no, you're wrong. It's not a promise, it's a reality. And I want you to know this. The promise is the reality. Every time you decide in your heart, fledgling and fearful and nervous, and how do I do this? Every time you decide to open up your mouth and vocally speak the Gospel into somebody's life, you do so with Jesus standing right there with you. You're never alone. You're never by yourself. You're never on your own. You never have to make up your own words. Jesus is with us to the end of the age. And when it comes to carrying forth the Great Commission and our marching orders to take the Gospel to every human being in all the world, we go under the authority and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that encouraging to you today? It should be. Because I want to tell you, it is difficult to share the Gospel. But you don't have to invent ways and tactics. You don't have to think that, oh, somebody else can do it much better because they know how to say it or they've been saved longer or they know this or they know that. Or what if a question comes my way that I can't answer? I tell you that you have the authority of Jesus and you have the presence of Jesus. Go into all the world. Go into your neighborhood. Go into your job site and make disciples for Jesus Christ. Let me give you a second point today. From verse number 19, Christ's charge to make disciples of all the nations satisfies our longing for purpose. Christ's charge to make disciples of all the nations satisfies the deepest, most hungry purposes of our own soul. And you might be in here this morning and the reason why you have not found that purpose and that joy and that fulfillment in the, your life, the reason why you feel like there's always got to be something next is because you have not given your life over to the life-fulfilling purpose of making disciples of all the nations. In the 1990s, uh, many of you would be familiar in the business world with Jim Collins, uh, him and another guy who nobody knows, but Jim Collins that wrote this book 
And uh, in it, they, uh, they talk about having a BHAG. Does anybody know what a BHAG is in here? A big, hairy, audacious goal. Yeah, Jim Collins said most businesses, they, uh, they don't have these big, hairy, audacious goals. They have small goals. And let's get to this and let's get to that. And he said, listen, if you want your business to succeed, if you want your organization to really succeed and move forward, you've got to have something that is so far out there, so that draws and yanks people into living for something that is far beyond themselves and greater than their own ideas. And he said, we have to have the these big, hairy, audacious goals. And at the sake of sounding corny or cheesy today, can I just say that this idea of making disciples of all the nations is a big, holy, audacious goal. You'll not find anything more satisfying in all the world than to give your life over to making people followers of Jesus Christ. Everybody wants to pursue a career and, and the Lord wants you to pursue your career and your dreams and your desires and your family and everything that you want to do. He wants you to do that, but He wants that to come underneath and to be submitted to the grand goal of bringing glory to God by making disciples of all the nations. And I will tell you on the authority of Scripture today, if in your heart there is a dissatisfaction in your Christian walk, it is due in part to the fact that you have not given yourself over to making disciples of people. And furthermore, don't worry, my, the staff here has uh, taken us the last few weeks and we're working on this and repenting and confessing and doing the best we can in our own life. But I would say to you that if you have not shared the gospel with somebody in the last three to six months, I want you to answer the question, how could you possibly be growing in Christ Jesus? Right? I know that's hard to take, right? It's hard for me. We're family today. I get it. I don't care whether you're 70, 80, or 10 years old. If you're a believer in Jesus, and the whole purpose of the Christian life is to bring glory to God by making disciples of people who are unbelievers, and you haven't in the last six months had one even gospel-centered conversation where you've at least tried to communicate to somebody who is an unbeliever, hey, I, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, and I believe that we should uh, turn from our sin and we should put our faith in Christ Jesus. Have you ever done that? then I, I simply would say, if you're reading Scripture, you may be growing in some areas of your life. You may be ridding yourself of some baggage and some sin. You may be taking on love, joy, and peace. But if the whole purpose is not to put off and to put on Christ so that you can bring glory by making disciples, then what is the purpose of growing in those other areas? Simply to become a better me? You can go to a Tony Robbins class and get that. The whole purpose about becoming a more loving, a more peaceful, a more kind, a more gracious, a more Christ-like human being is so that your life is a city like the church set on a hill to shine to the dark world and to say, this is the right way. Your life is broken. Your relationships are broken. You need something that you don't have. And I have found it. Come with me and I'll show you Jesus who gives you the water of life. 
And I know that hits my soul just like that hits your soul. Brothers and sisters, I so want to read books. I love to read books. I, I, read, I read books all the time. I read books and then I love to teach people what the books say. And you know, I know I see all kinds of smiles. I you the same way. And we're this way when it comes to a lot of things in our life, in our prayer life. We, we, listen, we'll read 15 books on prayer, but not spend a half hour with Jesus in prayer. We know the Great Commission so much so that there's probably some of you sitting here today that say, oh man, he's in that passage again. I can check out on this. But I just want to say, if you haven't shared Jesus with an unbeliever in the last three to six months, what are you trying to accomplish in your Christian life? Is it just to be a better Christian for yourself? Or is it for the whole purpose of, man, I, I want my life to bring glory to Jesus and I want my life to be like Jesus so that I can do what Jesus actually did and go from village to village, from city to city, from town to town and make disciples of Christ. Isn't that what the Bible said that He did? Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Read the Gospel of Mark and see how many times Jesus says, I've got to go preach the kingdom in that, in that city. I've got to go preach the kingdom in that village. I've got to go preach the kingdom in that town. Jesus went from town to town preaching the good news of salvation in Himself. And our goal as a Christian is to go from town to town and in our lives preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen? Or maybe it's woe is me today for all of us. I want to encourage you. Our whole goal that will satisfy the soul of every human being is to bring glory to God by making disciples of all the nations. Some of you here today think that you're going to find your life's fulfillment in your children. You're going to find your life's fulfillment in your work. That you're going to find the fulfillment of life in your spouse or in a relationship. That you might be finding the fulfillment of life in retirement or in doing good or in volunteering. And what I would say to you is there's nothing wrong with all of those things but if those purposes and those goals and those big, hairy, audacious goals supersede or come before making disciples of all the nations, it will never satisfy your life. Only fulfilling what Christ said to do will fulfill what you need in your own heart. Let me make a third statement to you today. We achieve Christ's charge to make disciples of all the nations by going, baptizing, and teaching. You see, Jesus gives us this grand charge in verse number 19, the first part there where He says, and make disciples of all nations. And I'll just say to you in your Scripture, that really is, if I remember correctly, I think that's the only main verb in this entire passage is to make disciples. Now, there are a few participles in here, and everybody that's not an English teacher now is checking out on me, but there are some participles that surround this main verb. But the main idea of the text is make disciples of all the nations. But Jesus comes behind it. He doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't say, go out there and figure it out. He doesn't say, go out here and, and invent some way to do that. Jesus actually gives us an achievement process, a way to actually work at making disciples of all the nations. 
nations. And so in verse number 19, yours might begin this way, go therefore, but it's actually a participle and it means as you go or going, in the process of going. And I would say that if we want to make disciples of all the nations, we have got to be the kind of people that are making disciples every day of our life. That as we leave here today, we pick up the Easter cards, we pick up some more material, that when we go to the gas station, we speak to the attendant, when we go to the bank, when we go out to eat, we speak to the waiter and the waitress, that we spend time in our community and with our neighbors. And as we go in our life, we are making disciples of all the nations. It is not just a one-time mission trip, although we're going to pray for those brothers today. It is every day of our life that we are praying and seeking and longing and asking Jesus to bring people into our lives that we might share the good news with. As you go. As you go. Did you see those people on the screen earlier? God didn't call them to Mozambique. God didn't call them to Turkey. God didn't call them to El Salvador. God said, I know your life and I know what's going on and I'm going to plant you right there. And as you go every day, just simply share the truth with people. How are you doing with that part of the plan? Are you intentionally trying to share Jesus with the people that you come into contact with daily? Are you a part of the programs and the things that we do here to try and reach out into our neighborhood? You know, yesterday we had the uh, basketball tournament down here at Kiwanis Park, and if it seems like I'm walking a little slowly today, it's because me and Jason Pritchard and Jan played on a team, and yeah, I'm getting a little old to play basketball. I, I hurt in places I didn't even know you could hurt in at this moment. We got down there, hey, it was, I, it was probably like 50, 60 people playing basketball, and, uh, you know, I told somebody, in fact, Cody and I were having a conversation. I said, it's really good for some of our church people to be here because there's a lot of lost people here. And you know what? Sometimes the people in our church, you get real uncomfortable around lost people. You, you can't handle that too much. You don't like that. They think differently than you and act differently than you and talk differently than you. And you just, you just kind of, you got to get antsy. Well, you know what? That's for them. Let me go hang out with some church people. Let me go be a part of a church basketball league. Let me go be a part of this. And I'm not knocking any of that. I'm just saying, if you don't have lost people that you're living with and working with and talking with, if you don't spend time around lost people, something's wrong with your life. Jesus spent the majority of His life around lost people, so much so that the religious people got mad at Him for eating with sinners and publicans. And so even yours truly as a pastor and as a staff, we're talking all the time, okay, hey listen, we've got to be here to do certain things and counseling and all the rest of the stuff, but we've got to get out here into our community. We've got to spend time with unbelievers and into that awkwardness and learn how to share the Gospel and be with unbelieving people. So I want to encourage you, as you go, make disciples. Secondly, not only is it to be done as we go or as we're going, but it says here, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the reason here, what's going on is that in the early church, especially in the book of Acts, baptism and conversion are sometimes conflated together. Not that you are saved by your baptism, but what they understood was that baptism is such a beautiful picture and illustration of what you have already believed in your heart, that you have been converted, that you 
you have turned from your sin, that you have been buried with Christ in the likeness of His death and raised to walk in newness of life, that you have turned from your sin and turned to Jesus. And that baptism, that is what we're after. Making converts for Jesus Christ. And I want to say to you, and I'm just being honest with you, if you're here today and you're an unbeliever, maybe you're visiting with us, we are up front with you. Yes, we are, we are trying to bring you to conversion in Jesus Christ. We want your whole world to turn upside down right now. We want everything you've been taught and all of your belief system to be slain and to be laid down before Jesus Christ and that you'd come with a humble heart and say, everything I've known about true eternal life is wrong. And Jesus Christ is the only answer for salvation. Make no bones about it. That is what we are pursuing. And that is a very difficult thing to pursue. Conversion. Baptizing them into the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You notice the work of the Trinity. That God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are involved in the conversion of people from death to life from being lost to being in the kingdom of God. That is the work that we are involved in. People do not go to heaven because they are good people. People do not go to heaven through their own religion. There is only one way and one truth and one life, and His name is Jesus Christ. I want you to affirm that through the Scripture, but I think Christ says to all of us, He pushes it on us today and says, I want you to share that with unbelievers. In prudence, in wisdom, be careful at your work, okay? Learn how to have wisdom in sharing the gospel. You don't have to run tomorrow morning into your place of business with a bullhorn and say, you're all going to burn in hell unless you turn to Jesus. I'm not saying that's the most appropriate way. There might be a time for that, but I, I don't know that water cooler talk is that way. But can I say to you, sometimes you know what we are guilty of is that we dance around Jesus all the time and instead of getting to the actual moment of conversion, it's either yes or no, trust or not, live or deny, come to Jesus. That is the message. Talk with people. You say, how can I possibly do that? Do you remember point number one? You have the authority of Jesus and the presence of Jesus with you everywhere you go. Point number two, it is the greatest task in all the world that you can be called to. And I promise you this, if you try this week to share Jesus with a lost person, you will be changed when you come here next Sunday to worship. Part of the reason why people are church hoppers they go from church to church to church and they're always looking for the next best speaker and the next best music and the next best everything is because they're like a sponge that has never been wrung out. And you know a bunch and so everything that's told you just runs over the top and off the side. But if you'll go out here and actually try to live for Jesus and share the Gospel, you'll come back next week realizing how very difficult it is to live for Him and to share Him in a lost world that is dead set against Him. And you'll long to hear the Word of God and worship with His people and sacrificially give and pray for the camaraderie and the unity of the saints. Amen? Well, the third part of this little action plan, we want to go, we want to baptize, and we want to teach, right? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. If this passage is known as the Great Commission, wouldn't you say this would probably be the Great Omission? 
Right? It's not just about bringing people to faith in Christ, although that is the doorway, that is the entry point into the Christian life, is that you put your faith and confidence in Jesus, but there is much more to it. It, it is not just to be saved and then left to die. It is not just to be saved, but it is to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And so we want to teach people every day of their life that come to faith in Christ how to live their life like Jesus Christ teaching them to observe all that Christ commanded, not only His commandments, but His life as well. Are you making disciples? Are you training younger believers to follow Jesus more fully? I'll say, let me tell you, I talk to all segments of our church at times. Can I say to our folks that may be in here today who are, say, 55 and older, if you are not actively praying for an opportunity to do this, or actively discipling a younger believer within the church or outside of the church, you are not being a biblical Christian. It's really hard to stand here and preach that. The Bible says that the older women in the church should be discipling the younger ladies in the church. The Bible teaches, uh, and Paul told Titus, he said, or Timothy, he said, that I am handing over faithful truth to you, that you may hand it over to faithful men who will then give it to other faithful men. There is, and uh, there is this idea in the scripture that we are supposed to be discipling other believers. Moms and dads should be discipling children. We should be discipling each other. Teachers should be discipling students. And we should all be reaching just one step behind us to another brother or sister. And so I want to encourage you, if you are not participating in actively teaching younger believers how to live like Jesus Christ, start that today. If you say, I don't know where to start, here's the two things you can do. First of all, leave here today and pray for the next 30 days that God would bring a younger believer into your life that you might just simply have lunch with and invest in. Number two, come see me or email me because I know several who would love that. It's part of the reason why we have our ladies groups here. It's part of the reason why we have our Sunday school classes and our small groups. We are involved and invested in discipleship, teaching people how to observe all the commandments that Jesus said to do. Now today, I simply want to end this message by giving you a word of application. And so uh, you see here on the screen... Um, this uh, Life Conversations. Uh, this is actually an app for many of you. If you go to the app store, you can find it on your phone. It's very easy. But uh, I just want to walk you through a simple way that I use to share the Gospel with unbelievers. And uh, now don't pull your cell phone out right now and go to the app store, okay? Follow along with me. Can you guys put this on the, on the screen for me and just kind of walk it through? Okay. Uh, so this is the, kind of a three circles method. You can find this uh, at the app store. And uh, beautiful system. Listen, it's just simply a model. Do it however you want. But I generally, when I'm speaking with an unbeliever, I will start with God's design. I just tell them, listen, I, I do. I believe that there is a God and He's the God of the Bible and that He created all the world. And He created you and me to worship Him. That's I do, and I believe because He's the Creator and the Sustainer, 
that we owe Him our allegiance, that we owe Him our obedience. And then I'll begin there and I'll say, but listen, the truth of the matter is you don't obey God and neither do I. And the reason why is, go ahead and put that up, is because of sin. And now look, when you're talking with an unbeliever, they might not know what sin is. Don't take that for granted. So I say, look, sin is any time you serve yourself and you don't serve Jesus. Okay? And when you put yourself first, it's it's always a sinful way. And so I'll say, look, whether it's lying or gossip or cheating or stealing or bad thoughts or anger and all this kind of thing, it, we we our sin takes us away from God's design for our life to worship and honor Him. And our sin ends up taking us to a state of brokenness. And I, when I'm talking with an unbeliever, I say, look, you're broke, you're broken, and I'm broken. And if you don't think you're broken, if you're talking to an unbeliever and they say, well, I'm doing pretty good, here's, here's how you can get right to the heart of brokenness. Just ask them about relationships. You see? Relationships is where you may think that you've got money in the bank and you're doing okay and you helped an elderly lady across the street and you're a pretty good person. All you have to do is take it to relationships. Everyone in this room and everyone in the world has broken horizontal relationships, whether with spouses, whether with friends, whether with children, whether with co-workers, have broken relationships. Anger and frustration and mismanagement and all kinds of horizontally broken relationships. And you can just simply say the reason why your relationships are broken is because your vertical relationships relationship is broken with God. And what happens is when we find ourselves, you see those squiggly lines coming off of brokenness? That's the way we always are trying to find a way out of our brokenness. So I may try and find my way out of a brokenness by an addiction or a substance, but what happens is that substance just carries us to further brokenness. Some of you in here may try and find your way out of brokenness through a relationship, and all you find is that the end of that next relationship is more brokenness. Some of you try to find your way out of that by more intellectual knowledge or more this or more that or if I could just stop that and start this. And all of those other options in our brokenness just result in more and more and more brokenness. And then I'll say, but look, there's a third circle here and His name is Jesus Christ and the way we get to Jesus Christ is through repentance and faith. Put that up there, would you? Through repentance and faith. Now, once again, when you're speaking to an unbeliever, be careful that you don't have your Christian ease and think that they understand everything, right? So, repentance. I just simply say, look, all that simply means is that we turn from trusting ourselves. Right? Uh, repentance means an about face in military terms, a 180 degree turn that we turn from ourselves and we put our full confidence in Jesus Christ. And when we put our confidence in Jesus Christ, He becomes our Redeemer, He becomes our Savior, and He takes us from our brokenness into a position of being whole and ready to walk into the kingdom of God. You see, Christianity is not about going to heaven when you die, but it's about getting heaven into you before you die. God doesn't want you to live a broken life with a hope somewhere out in the future. God wants you to have your brokenness fixed now. And when we trust Christ, we end up moving all the way back toward God's plan for us to be restored and fully put back to God's plan for our life. Now, brothers and sisters, all I've done for us here is I'm trying to help us train a little bit for when we share the Gospel. Here's my entry point, and then we'll kind of bring this time to a close today. Two ways, I spoke about this Wednesday night, two ways that you can leave here today and just begin to enter into the field of sharing the Gospel. The first is a very easy one, and that is to just expose your faith. 
You can do this as easy as you can to expose your faith. Just wait for a lost person to ask you tomorrow, how's your day? What would you do over the weekend? How are things going for you? And when that happens, use it as a launching pad into a simple, delicate, wisdom-filled appropriation of the Gospel. Somebody says to me, uh, we can say, you can see that later if you want, but listen, I just begin by exposing my faith. Somebody says, hey, what would you do this weekend? Oh, you know, I kind of have fun. We went here, did a little shopping. You know what? We went to church on Sunday, and if I don't say so to myself, uh, the sermon was pretty good. You don't have to say that. You could say, in spite of the sermon, we had a good time. No, listen, I just, just say something like that. Just say, look, you know, went to church on Sunday, and man, you know, this is the, this is the text we dealt with about Jesus. And hey, do you, you go to church anywhere? What kind of religious background do you have? And wait and see what that discussion's like. It might get shut off. That's okay. Just keep praying for people. That might enter into something. You might find that there's a conversation there that you never knew would happen. How's your day going? Well, it's going okay. And I'm trusting the Lord for these things. Just begin to expose your faith in that way. Here's a second way. Suffering is the greatest entry point to the Gospel you will ever find. Think now in the last 14 days how many people, random or people you know, have just in the course of everyday conversation said something openly to you about a point of suffering in their life. A divorce, a bad relationship, trouble with their kids, a loss of a loved one, getting laid off from work, not enough money to afford paying. And so... I look for opportunities for people who are suffering. And here's what I'll say. First of all, listen to them. Okay? That that old statement that nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care, that is pretty true. So listen to somebody. And a lot of times, somebody will tell me what's going on and I'll just simply say these kind of words. Man, I'll be honest with you, I've never walked in your shoes. And I I can see how difficult that is. But I have had some difficulties in my life. Is it okay if I share with you what has helped me through all of that? You guys with me this morning? I know it's a little snow day out. I'm trying to help you. It's a great way to entry. Look for opportunities of suffering. Right? Listen to people. Let them talk to you. And then identify with where they are. And don't tell, listen, for heaven's sakes, don't tell people you know exactly what they're going through. You may have gone what they're going through, what they're going through, but every human being responds differently to suffering and pain and heartache. But identify in them with that. That is difficult. That is tough. That's part of life. That's going on in our lives. And I want you to know, I have a lot of stuff that's going on in my life too. Is it okay with that if I share with you how I make it through that? Maybe if you're at lunch or in a break room, you can just take out a napkin and draw three circles and say, let me tell you this, here's where we are. I believe that God designed us to worship Him. And the problem is is that my, my sin and my pain and 
causes all of this brokenness, some of my own causing and some because other people are sinners and they've caused brokenness in my life. But whatever it is, this is where I am. I'm in this broken area. But there came a time in my life where I turned from myself and I put my faith in Jesus Christ, this third circle. And I am not perfect, friend. I tell you I'm far from perfect. But every day of my life, He is restoring me more and more to the way that God designed me to worship and honor Him every day of my life. I want us to work on this. Hey church, listen to me. I know we don't have everybody here today. We cannot afford to lay down on the mission and the purpose that God has designed us for. In the two zip codes that this church is closest to, there are forty-five to 50,000 people who are dying and on their way to hell without Jesus. Maybe we could start with a bit smaller, big, hairy, audacious goal. What about if we could take the Gospel to all 12,000 people in 608? Is there a way that our church could be instrumental and intentional in making that happen? Are you ready to give everything in your life to make that happen? So that God will be glorified. Christ will be honored. Just bow your heads with me for a moment. In just a minute, we'll stand and sing a verse together. And just an intimate morning this morning. If you're, if you're here and you're an unbeliever, I want to urge you to believe in Jesus Christ today, right where you are. You walk through that gospel. God did design you. You have sinned. Your life is broken. And Christ will save you if you'll turn from your sin and trust Him right now, right where you are. And for my believing friends in here today, hey, won't you, won't you take the, the, the same sting I have to my own soul that says, hey, listen, if I'm working at being a better Christian and being more in the image of Jesus, how could I possibly be more conformed to the image than Jesus than to do what Jesus actually did? Okay, Let's, let's, let's receive that today. Let's grow from that today. Stand with me this morning. Let's sing a hymn of response and let's ask the Lord to help us in our own lives today. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.